Uh, good evening and welcome to horror. I'm Lee. Hola, uh, Chris. I'm Adam. That's right. It's correct. We are all back again. Yes. For... We are. Yeah. Where have you been? Oh, sorry. <laughs> yes. I'm gone. Are you all settled now in your I'm, new abode? I'm fairly settled. The you know, tap you know dogs were successful and they found you. Yeah. <laughs> you were found hiding in a hole like Colonel Gaddafi. <laughs> but with a bigger beard. Just about surviving. Yeah. But I've got to say, though, I did like the standing. I think <laughs> the, the Chris version 2, Claire is yes. a good evolution yeah. of me. And um, she's got much better hair. So <laughs> There's just more of it. Oh, well, it's very nice. <laughs> so, yeah, good job, Claire. Yeah, Excellent. well done. Thank you for uh, stepping in. Um, yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, but it's great to be back. Indeed. And what a good film to come back to. Exactly. So having discussed it for the last two years and keep threatening yeah. to do it, we have finally sat Chris down to watch The Verbs today. Yeah. This is truly, I can tick that off. Uh, among, there's been several of those, really. But yeah, I now know what The Verbs is, what it means. <laughs> and why we go on about it. Yeah. So yeah. And I didn't, I didn't see that twist coming at the end. No, see, nobody it's, does. Yeah. Um, so before we get into it, as it were, um, Chris, I know obviously you've been busy moving, so I'm assuming you haven't seen a lot, but have you seen anything? Well, I have. I have done my homework. I've Excellent. been good. I have watched a new uh, episodic... Thing, yeah. By um, now, I've got to try and remember his name. Gayton, does that sound right? From Stranger Things. Okay. He's yep. Dustin, so I know him from Stranger Things. But yeah, I think his name is Gayton, um, and he is presenting. Uh, I think he might even do. I don't know if he does some of the writing, producing, but he's he seems quite involved in it. Hmm. Um, it's called Prank Encounters, and it's essentially um, what what were those candid camera like you've been framed. You know, we're, oh, like wind up sort of. Yeah, we're, like, we're like most of the people in about. here. Yep, yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> it. Um, yeah, that sort of thing, but for horror. Now, I don't know if anyone else has done that before. There used to be a there used to be a show called Scare Tactics where they would do okay. like wind ups. Yeah, so I've not heard of that. Um, it was it was pretty good actually because the, the only one I really remember is they did do like a Bigfoot one, mm. and they would do it with basically people would write in. And then they do. They did it with like big hop sort of, you know, movie effects. Hmm. And yeah, it used to be. I used to be on Sky. And it was called Scare Tactics, and they just used. Okay. To, they, well, I remember they did a Bigfoot one and possibly an Alien Encounters one. Yeah. Okay. They were pretty good at the, it as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, so it could be that it's a complete rip off of that then, <laughs> because because they do do a Bigfoot one. Oh and, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So so essentially, it's two actors. Uh, no, sorry, it's all actors except for two people, mm-hmm. and they are given like so they've they've been told that they've got a job, um, and it's their first day, and so they've been told what they've got to do for the job. Yeah. Um, and then each of them is being told a story that's a bit different. Like so, it's the same story but from different sides, mm. and they gradually work together, uh, or they, they work towards each other until at some point. Um, in sort of the climax they meet or just before and and their stories match each other's so as they're guided through it they're thinking well, something strange going on here mm. and when they speak to this other person that corroborates what they're thinking yeah. mm. so um, yeah then at that point scary things start really happening and so the first one is uh, a 
not uh, not a nanny, um, a babysitter, yeah. and she's looking after this girl whose sister has been killed, or this girl says that her sister was killed by her teddy bear. So it sounds a bit ridiculous, yeah. um, you know, but it sort of builds up uh, more on that. And this other guy is coming to collect the teddy bear for charity. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, as they meet, um, then they find out that uh, someone's been killed by it. But it, and it's, like, as I'm sort of saying it, it sounds ridiculous. And this is the trouble. As I was watching it, I was thinking, I don't know, it's, it's awkward and it's a bit silly. And I, I don't feel comfortable with the fact that these people are being lied to. I've never really liked that about No. Those. I always but, feel it's a bit bad where it's, especially when it's like you've been told you've got a job. Yeah, well, so, 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 yeah, so this is a good point, right? But so, but as it reaches that, the, the real peak, I did find myself thinking that it'd be so good to be one of those people. Like, mm. I would love to be absolutely convinced that something truly horrific is taking place. Yeah. Because how would you act? Like we've said before, mm. if something starts happening, we'd all be sitting back going, um, oh yeah, it can't know, possibly be yeah. no. that. And but, how out of but, hand would it? But where it looked like they'd done it well enough that it really would be, you just could not. You'd have to believe your eyes. Yeah, it seems. Yeah. It where seems is your line on it? You know. Yeah. Yeah, and and because the other person is also acting in a way that's they're so terrified, hmm. and so yeah, I just thought I would absolutely love to be one of those people, and so I, I got this sort of mixture of I don't like the whole premise. I don't really like them doing that to people and yet I would love to be one of the people <laughs> right and so so yeah for moments I've sort of watched uh, two episodes and like yeah for a few moments in each of them it's like I would absolutely love to be there for those few minutes while yeah. I really believe this is happening mm. um, but anyway and I looked up afterwards and it does seem like there was some controversy I don't know if it was on Twitter um, but yeah about people saying that you shouldn't lie to people like this Netflix are saying that they they've paid the people and it was a gig yeah, uh, a gig job, a gig economy type yeah, job. I, I suppose. Uh, yeah. I suppose if it's like a temp job, so you're like, oh, I'm like only doing it for a day anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah like so, so as far as I know, I didn't see that any of the people in it were upset. But yeah, I'm not sure. Well, you, you, if you were that upset, you would not sign the release form. Yeah, that's the point. Probably, probably not. So yeah, and uh, trying to work out, do they have any idea that something's happening? Um, yeah, you know, I'm not sure, but still, yeah, I, I would still love to be one of those people experiencing that. that to me that would be a real horror and in fact I saw something else the other day I think it's called um, McCamey's Haunted House hmm. have you heard of that? No It's meant to be the most terrifying experience Oh is this the one that's there's the real controversial one? Well it seems to be yeah. Mm, so, yeah so it's essentially as far as I can tell from what I mm. heard about it it's like being tortured and if you can get through it it's like 10 hours or something if you get through it you get paid £25,000 for getting through it all and they really build it up so they show you videos of people not making it through yeah. and and so yeah you know it's, it's meant to be like a really serious yeah i've heard of that type of i've not heard okay. of that specific one but yeah i have heard of those type and yeah it just doesn't no so, so like, i would love to try it because i've got the thing in my head where i'm like i could definitely get through it and yet I haven't actually read the things that they do to you. I'm it's, sure I would give up after some point. From what I saw, yeah, McCamey Manor. Mm. Um, I actually saw someone, someone I uh, follow on Instagram, um, sort of put a thing about it. Yeah. Um, Please be advised on this McCamey Haunted House challenge. No one has ever earned the 20 grand and no one ever will because the creator and his employees physically violate and torment anyone who enters. 
I've heard stories of sexual assault, broken bones, spitting in people's mouths and injecting people with syringes full of unknown substances. Okay, well, I didn't hear any of that. Yeah, but so, apparently they... Uh, I mean, this is only going on what this person's put here. But, so, so how can that work then? You have to sign it to say no, whatever they the do. No, this is the thing. They sign a waiver, yeah. and that's where the controversy is coming in because mm. people are saying there's a certain... Because the waiver is ridiculous. It's things like you may be hit with... Uh, tools and hardware. Do you know yeah. what I mean? You, we cannot guarantee that your skin won't be pierced. And you're like, so that's the thing. Like, I guess that yeah. is tr- true horror, as opposed to fun horror, yeah. like a haunted house. It's not a haunted house. No, it really, it, it really is just. Torture. It's a scam in so much as basically a group of sickos get their rocks off and never have to pay anyone twenty grand because no one lasts the night because. Why would you put up with that? Yeah, shit? but so so what this made me think of, I mean, that does sound terrible, and so mm. yeah, I probably wouldn't actually want to do that, and it does sound like you should probably be shut down and the people arrested, potentially, but mm. but yeah, the idea that you could do that in such a way that you're not really harming the person, it is just absolutely terrifying. And, yeah. and that's what I think the, the Darren Brown um, haunted experience sounded good, because I, yes. I want something that is that step higher than a haunted house, mm. that where you really are unsure you know you're really put into a very uncomfortable state see i think that's the thing is, is i i'm assuming that at some at some level you're always good, there's always going to be an element where you are you're in a safe environment mm. because you should be so weirdly enough i think that probably is the only way to go with it is what they're doing but what well, they're doing well, so, is so that's why i thought frank's yeah. encounters was really good because mm. it really does look to me like you would be you would absolutely feel like you're not in a safe place yes and you know but very soon afterwards you realize well, you are the, i think a lot of it i mean it, a lot of it comes down to relief i mean claire, yeah. this is ridiculous claire sent me a message now we've had uh, arsehole issues with hot water which mm. turned out to be someone had accidentally switched a switch in the <laughs> cupboard and it was like oh we haven't got any hot water oh no the boiler's not screwed it's just that yeah. you might want to yeah. see your guy <laughs> um, but uh, yeah she sent me a thing the other day saying oh, I've, there's a pretty serious leak in the bedroom but I've dealt, I think I've dealt with it and it was like about five minutes before I was due to leave work and I was like oh mm. for fuck's sake what is th- what is this now hmm. do you know what I mean it was like oh Christ you know the shower fucked up a few times and things like that and it was like oh no and in the bedroom and I'm like oh for God's sake and I was like where no I said whereabouts and she said oh yeah in the bedroom and like, and uh, eventually push comes to shove and I'm like oh so what, what have you done about it she sends me a picture sitting on our bed is a leak the vegetable hmm. that she has drawn an angry <laughs> face on <Yeah. laughs> and the sheer relief of that that I wasn't going home to deal with like I, an actual genuine yeah. building problem really surpassed mm. the joke itself in a way, you know. I found it I was laughing more out of hysteria than genuine humour. And my reply to her on the text was I love you and fuck off. <laughs> and it yeah, uh, but again, it's I think it's probably the same sort of thing is you probably just even with when they used to do the wind-up shows where it would be things like your car getting crushed and things like that, mm. I think a lot of it is just the relief of people like, oh, thank Christ, this isn't actually happening. Yeah. 
are not having to do with it. Yeah, but so I sort of get those more because at no point is it supernatural. It's yeah. Like, this, is, this is just a serious problem so, that I've got to deal with. Whereas the supernatural yeah. one, it's like, that's really exciting because mm. if I really thought Bigfoot was running around our car attacking people, yeah. like I just don't know. Like Would I just sit there going get me out of this like I'm terrified or would I be like I've got to try and do something here yeah. you know like but also also the the thing is is that you would would you be the opposite of it it's like well I'm, I'm I don't find that funny at all because you've disappointed me now I have my world <laughs> yeah, open yeah, and now like, you've closed it again yeah. and we're back in the world of drudgery and taxes yeah. and, and mortgage repayments and yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I might have to check that out yeah I'll, I'll give that one because I used to like scare tactics like if, if, if I caught it I just always thought yeah that's a pretty cool mm. idea you know mm. nice Adam what have you been watching uh, I've watched I have actually watched stuff I watched Stanley uh, A Man of Variety which is kind of a horror film kind well kind of a, a creepy weird film but it's basically Timothy Spall is the entire cast Right. And he's playing a guy who's locked in a psychiatric unit who is obsessed with old, like, Ealing comedies and yeah. people like Max Miller and mm. Max Wall and stand-up, you know, sort of like, like music uh, music hall yeah. sort of turns and things like that. And basically, he tells the story... It tells the story of him going... Of his sort of possible mental breakdown, but it's him talking to himself as these other characters, but it's like, it is like Max Wall, Noel Coward, Margaret Rutherford, okay. and Timothy Spall is playing all these characters, and he's fucking good at it. Mm. Timothy Spall is fantastic. I mean, Timothy Spall's great anyway, but I mean, certainly, it's, it's a weird one, because there are like a couple of ones that, that even I was like not sure of, so I don't know, I don't know how appealing it would be to someone who really genuinely doesn't know who any of these characters yeah. are. But there was a couple on there that I was like, I've, I don't know who that is, and I don't think it sort of comes off as well then. But like stuff like he did, he does Tony Hancock on there, and the oh. and the thing is as well is that uh, I sort of looked into it afterwards, and it's basically him and the director wrote it over a couple of years. Mm. Um, but there's nothing in it that's not, um, there's nothing in it that's like dialogue or anything else like that. They've basically just come up with the stuff on the basis of how those characters or those actors or mm. whatever like that that it was based on how their acts are yeah but it's not actual quotes or anything like that yeah. um and he does a really really sort of good job of it and it's yeah it's just a very weird little unusual film and yeah it, the claire got it for me on dvd She'd seen Mark Commode talking about it at like silly o'clock in the morning when she was up with Ted one morning yeah. a couple of years back, and he basically said, um, "Yeah, look, watch this if you like stuff like The League of Gentlemen." And I can kind of see why it's that same sort of because it's like it's all these characters who are kind of like cheeky, chappy, avuncular, yeah, but they're all kind of a bit creepy. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's a, there is a weird sort of like something like Tony Hancock. Tony Hancock is miserable. Yeah. And so like when he's in it, he's like he is like a sort of Eeyore sort of figure mm. of like someone who's just sort of like coming out with, Oh well what's oh, gonna happen to you, mate, is you're gonna you're gonna die a complete nobody. Congratulations. <laughs> and just and it's very it's that sort of weird bleak heart at these things that because they're from the forties and fifties, mm. like he does Alistair Sim in it as well, and that's really good. Mm. Like but Alistair Sim as in 
from a Christmas Carol. Yeah. And <clears throat> yeah, all of his they all sort of have that sort of darkness there mm. that kind of gets forgotten about because it's like, oh, it's old, so it can't be it can't be rude, it can't be yeah. harmless, you know, and it's like no, actually, a lot of these are very sort of cruel, weird sort of characters and stuff yeah. like that. So that was really good. Uh, last night I watched Chopping Mall, uh, <laughs> which I have never seen before. Oh my fucking Christ. For one, not for everyone, podcasts really should just do it because yep. I'm sure they've seen it, but I'd like to hear them talk about it because it's <laughs> bloody hilarious. Yeah. Two, what the fuck is that poster? Because that <laughs> is fuck all to do with it. Yep. Um, and also, great robots. They're just so sort of. They're just brilliant. I would like to interview the director and just say, when you were a kid, did you ever see a movie called Doctor and the Daleks? Because <laughs> there's loads. Because they feel very Dalek-y. Yeah. Because there's especially taking hours to blow torch through a door and things like that. But also, yeah, just utterly absurd. But also quite nice that it clearly, it's kind of a comedy. It yeah. does know that it's daft. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and Dick Miller's in it as well obviously yes. which you Maybe know so feeds today. into the burbs and um uh yeah and then this morning because the clocks went back we had an extra hour um i watched uh, me and ted watched crimson peak nice. um which yeah i thought that was really good i hadn't seen that before oh okay um yeah very sort of old school yeah you know quite uh, an old school sort of like classic you know disreputable man marries woman and it's all sort of spooky and everything else like that. I have to say though, I do like Tom Hiddleston yeah. but I have realised that he is the goth Hugh Grant. <laughs> yes, he There's a lot of sort is. of... Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Um, yes. Yeah. And, um, well, yes. Um, and yeah, so... And, um, but, yeah. So is that, was that one child friendly enough then? It was, no, because, oh, isn't it? It's kind of, well, it's have, kind you, have, of you, have you decided Ted can handle it again? Then? He was, he weren't watching it anyway. Right. He was messing about doing other stuff, so. And I, I did hear you say that, you know. You oh, no, he I'm might, not, he might yeah. especially where he's, he's starting to speak now. It was, yeah. When was, his first it, word is m- m- murder yeah. instead of mum. Red like, rum. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm trying to, I'm, I'm just trying to avoid anything where I think definitely it's, it's sort of like, if it sticks in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I think that's sort of like... The ghosts are kind of creepy and scary, but I think it's much more you have to understand the intent yeah. of why it's scary rather than just, you know, I don't want to watch something with like... I wouldn't want to watch something gory with it mm. particularly because it's it just take that in. imprinted in the mind. It's like, Dad, what happened? Do I remember someone getting nails yeah. banged in their head? Uh, it was a film. <laughs> yeah. It was a film, and don't tell them at school that that happened. That was a bloody film you watched <laughs> with me at five in the bloody morning. But yeah, so because he was up early, because he doesn't understand that the clocks have gone back. Thank mm. you, mate. Um, so yeah, we ended up watching Crimson Peak, and like I said, hadn't seen it before, and I really enjoyed it. it was a nice bit of Gilmero del Toro. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, just a very classic sort of ghost story, I think. And um, yeah, so I like uh, all of them. I'd recommend Chopping Mall definitely if you want to laugh, um, and Stanley if you want to think, and Crimson Peak if you just want some like so kind of hammery, kind of woman in blacky sort of yeah that sort of end of gothic horror yeah you know. But yeah, I really enjoyed that. Excellent. And Jessica Chastain was fucking brilliant in it. Oh, really? Like the sister. Hmm. Uh, yeah, she's just like, that was, yeah, great. Because Hiddleston's, like I said, 
just a bit sort of Hugh Grantly all around it, even though he's up to something. <laughs> I need to re-watch it. I saw it when it first came out, and I haven't gone back again. Uh, not because I didn't like it, but just because mm. it's just too much to watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I will probably give that another go, actually, you mentioning it. I forgot all about it. Um, so I've started my Halloween viewing for the mm. year. Yes, what was the first one? So, um... Night? I watched Night of the Demons. Night of the Demons. Uh, this week I watched Night of the Demons 2. Oh. Yeah, still good, still enjoy Nowhere near as good as the first one, but it's passable. Mm-hmm. Horror movie, it's fine. Um, I then watched Trick or Treat, which I won't, I won't go into too much, because obviously we've... Uh, well, we've done Night of the Demons. So, so far, so welcome to horror. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Um, somebody was saying about top five episodes to watch for... To listen to, sorry, for Halloween. Uh, so if you're a new listener and haven't gone back and checked out our back catalogue, uh, we've done some Halloween-specific movies in our back catalogue. Mm. Uh, so see episodes uh, Night of the Demons, yep. Trick or Treat, yep. Ghost Watch, yep. Halloween, Halloween 3, Three yep. one of Jennifer's all-time favourite movies, I just found out in the week. And we'll have to do a fifth one. What would you say would be a good fifth one to catch up in the run-up to Halloween? Hmm. I'm trying to think what other Halloween ones we've done. I know we did. I know we did the worst witch in Bottom, but yes, <laughs> I yeah. necessarily say that's the, <laughs> that's the one to go for. I'll have a look, I'll have a uh, scan back through of our old eps while you continue. Fantastic. Um, I also went back and rewatched Hansel and Gretel, um, which I, it came out. Was that fairly recent? Yes, yeah. relatively. Um, it is in no way a good film, <laughs> but I keep going back and watching it time and time again, and I can't quite work out why. I almost mm. talked Lady Jennifer into watching it with me the other night in the hope that she could give me in some insight into why I enjoyed it as much as I did, uh, but she flat out refused to watch it. So, uh, <laughs> that's it. yeah, so it's 2013 it came out, mm. um, and Jeremy Renner from the Marvel Cinematic Universe is... Uh, plays Hansel which is always fun it's one of those the the trailer for it made it look very good because you saw loads of different types of witches but they kind of waste them mm. in that uh, basically there's a big event happens at the end of the film where all the witches from all over the world have all come together so all different types so they're all witches, different yeah okay. so like some of them are like Siamese twins and mm. some like you know that type of like really good designs and things. But you don't really get to spend any time with them. They're all just in this kind of convention. Mm. It would have been nice to have seen more of them. The three main witches in it are, are fantastic. So it's like enabled them to do a good trailer. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it is a bad film. And I don't know why I've seen it at least half a dozen times. But I will watch it again because I'm an idiot. And I, keep I do doing that with some films. Yeah, though. but it's just, it's ones you just end up returning. What were you to. saying? Something about was it Get Out? Was that the one? And you liked lots about it, and then there was one thing that ruined it. Oh no, that, no, was, that us. was us. us. Oh, yeah. um, uh, which we will cover. It, we yeah. do need to cover it because I had a discussion with my friend uh, at work the other day, Manny. Hi, Manny, if listening. Hi, um, Manny. And he, because he loved Get Out, mm, okay. so I kept pestering him to watch us because I hated it, and I was like, you need to watch it so we can discuss it. Uh, yeah, and he texted me in the week from Malaysia and mm. went, 
just watched us. Don't know what you're on about. Mm. It was great. And I was like, no, it wasn't. Wait, so, so is this right that you liked a lot about the film and yes. then something ruined uh, it completely? So I loved the characters. Mm. I loved the concept of it. Uh, it was really creepy. It was, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. So, so is it like they all woke up and it was a dream sort of a... Well, yeah, basically there's a twist mm. and after the twist has happened... It ruins It ruins everything, everything yeah. that had happened to that point. And I was like, I really liked... <laughs> The thing is, it's one of those casts of... So the family are really nice. Like, you really like spending time with them. And their neighbours are a big part. And they're dicks, but they're supposed to be. But they're kind of likeable. So, like, mm. there was so much character development in there that was really, really good. Yeah. And then the story... The was just... Yeah. So we need to cover it because yeah, I need, okay. to, need to rant. Um, and on that note... <laughs> yes. Let's talk about me deciding to go and check out Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. <laughs> if you're listening and you have not watched Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, um, I won't read you the message that I sent to my friends uh, literally having just left the cinema um, because there was a lot of swearing in it. But what I can tell you is definitely don't waste your time and go and watch it. Um, it was absolutely awful. It, was, it The thing is, it had a really good cast was the problem again yeah. like with us it had a really good cast um i didn't recognize anybody in it but they all did a really good job and what it absolutely stunk off to me was goosebumps came out that was a kids mm. book series mm-hmm. and that, that did quite well did it and that did yeah. really well mm. i really enjoyed it i enjoyed mm. the first and the second one they're okay. not great like but, but they're, you know they're family they're friendly yeah. and they're entertaining and i've watched them a couple of times and i'll watch them again this was then like it was like someone had got the crap versions of those books. Mm. I, I know a lot of people love the score, you know, scary stories to tell in the dark, um, but I'd never read any of them. I only knew one of the stories because it was mentioned as a creepypasta on last podcast on the left, uh, and it was one of the worst ones they ever did, and they do some mm. real shit ones on there. <laughs> it's part of the joke is how bad some of them are, yeah. mm. and this was one of the worst ones, and it was used in the film. Mm. Um yeah, so that was what it was like. Somebody had seen it and gone, "Well, why don't we go and buy this franchise and try and do the same and work it into a new narrative?" And it was an absolute piece of shit from beginning to end. Um, they tried to do the the quote from the thing that they do in so many films, like in Trick or Treat, as we mentioned earlier, but they got it wrong. Um, couldn't even get the quote right. Like, just go and Google it, guys. Fuck's sake. Um, was the quote was the quote the you gotta be fucking kidding? Or? Yes, it was. Well, if it's a kids' film, I'm assuming that it have to change. No, it. I think you they gotta be the, fluffing kidding. I think they had the fucking it, but they put it in. See, this is the problem. This is where it's gone wrong. This one wasn't. Fuck, you've got to be kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that was the problem. This one wasn't aimed at kids like Goosebumps. This mm. was aimed at an adult audience, so it had all that swearing and lots of gore and all the rest of it in it. But yeah, the stories were just crap and the the way they put it all together was shit and it just absolutely stunk there was nothing about it that redeemed it in any way shape or form so do yourself a favor for christ's sake do not go and watch scary stories to tell them dark i have to say just as a just an insight and i hope this doesn't spoil the magic for any uh anyone listening that you know the that all these you know obviously all us podcasters we all know each other we <laughs> Spend time together. We go to the same VIP lounges. <laughs> and, 
you know, sleep with the same high class hookers and that sort of thing. Um, Wait, I'll be but, messing out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, if you will escape <laughs> during fun week. But, um, yeah, and uh, no, Lee, Lee was sort of. Uh, live texting us whilst watching it, and uh, 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 Bobby from Not for Everyone was was in on the messages, and just just his desperation over two messages of "dude, switch it off" was just. <laughs> it was like this, you know. We, I it, felt it, it. It felt like a public service announcement. Yeah, so I watched the first half, and I was going to leave. I was like, "No, this is terrible," and I was like, "No, no, I'm going to stick with it." But yeah, it did feel like a feel like a real, you know, one of those moments when your friends step in and tell mm. you that you're being a dick. It really felt like it was like it was an intervention, <laughs> yeah, almost on sort of like, look, yeah. if it's that bad, walk. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was awful. Uh, but I then fixed that by going back and watching Bloody Mary. Bloody um, hell! No, Blood Knight, Mary, the Legend of Mary Hatchet. Sorry. Ah. Um, with Bill Mosley, which mm. uh, Adam and I saw at Gore Fest a few years back. Oh. Yeah. And I purchased uh, with Daniel Harris, and it's mm. absolutely brilliant. And I totally enjoyed it as much again. Yeah, that is a cracking a, film. Actually, yeah. it's just, just, uh, just what it, what it needs to be. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. So I enjoyed that. Um, so we do have a hashtag ask question. Mm-hmm. So this has come from uh, previous guest host Darnie. Hi, Darnie. Hello, Hello Darnie. So he says, which heavyweight A-list director would like would you like to see tackle low budget horror? Uh, and he's put in here as his uh, suggested ones. Uh, he's got David Fincher and Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, um, yeah. So who out of the big, big. directors working what, in Hollywood now would you like to see? What, what quite constitutes big? Because I, I know who I would like just because I've really liked his films. They've Go stood on. out to me. Christopher Nolan. Okay, mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, because I don't think he's done anything that's... He hasn't really done a horror. No, dark. It? You know, mm. I mean, you know, he obviously did a great job of Batman series. Yeah. Made that mm. dark and yeah, very entertaining. I just think, yeah, I, I just really like the way he gets into people's minds and, and mm. the character development. Yeah, and yeah, just, yeah, his films have worked for me really well. So I think... And I think you're right as well. I think because, although obviously they are massive, big budget, exciting affairs, mm. like you say, he does put enough time into character development and things that he could work on a low budget and still make a good yeah. film without having mm. to have an absolute fortune. Like, yeah, very good. Mm. I'd, like, I'd like to see Werner Herzog have a crack, but that's just because I'd like him to do more, more. stuff. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what has he done? Um, Aguirre, Wrath of God, the remake of Nosferatu. Weird. Um, oh, what was the... He He's also the voice of Shrimbly Pibbles in Rick and Morty. Oh, yeah. okay. Is he one, really? Yeah, you know, when it's... Uh, they uh, When you go to Earth, all they talk about is their penises. <laughs> and they'll be there going, holding something up, going, look at me, I am Mr. So-and-so penis. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that is Werner Herzog. In, nice. in between, sort of doing weird, you know, doing weird cinema and incredible documentaries. Yeah, he found time to be Shrimley Pibbles on Rick and Morty, <laughs> which Amazing. is which is just beautiful. And um, but uh, no, I just like I'd like to see. I think I'd just like to see him tackle something just strictly sort of just horror. Mm. Because um, weirdly enough, the thing that it put me in mind of is really that's what happened with Psycho. Hmm. Is that Alfred Hitchcock was like, hang on, this, this uh, uh, 
Castle, William Castle, what's he? He's making it hand over fist with yeah. black and white shockers. Hang on, and that's where Psycho's bomb from. Yeah. And I quite like that idea that it's a. But I'm sort of. I think. I mean, I'd like to see. Yeah, I mean, David Fincher. I think would be that. I would really, really like to see. Hmm. Uh, just because, and again, it's the low budget thing. Yeah, more than anything else that I think because there's because weirdly enough, I think there's lots of people who are really good low budget horror directors who are now breaking out and getting hmm. you know mainly superhero movies but yeah. they are getting sort of offered the bigger stuff and things like that so it's quite interesting it would be quite interesting to see it reversed just go so, the other way now it's funny you say that because my choice was going to be Sam Raimi so now obviously hmm. he started in low budget horror and worked his way up and is now doing as you say massive higher budget and of course he did the superhero movies on the way through he yeah did like the, the original Spider-Man. Spider-Man's ones yeah uh, but yeah, was, I, was he who did Evil Dead yes yeah. 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 so I I think he's innovative enough as well as enough of a good storyteller mm. um, yeah that if you took all of his money away and all of his contacts and just sent him back grassroots He'd I think he could still do job. it yeah. Yeah. yeah and I'd mm. love to see what he could do now with all of the things that he's, he's learned. learned yeah Mm. Yeah, I think as as an old hand in it, I think it would be. Maybe that's the thing is it's like you want to see people go back almost. Yeah, you know, it's it's much the same as like the the Woody Allen thing where it's like stop making, just make comedies <laughs> and stop being a giddy fiddler. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe, you, know, maybe you know, mate, top of the list, <laughs> yeah. admittedly. But once you stop doing that, make some comedies in jail. <laughs> Right, let's get away from this as quickly as possible. So, <laughs> that's what she said. Um, <laughs> Are we back on penises again? <laughs> so right. and so penis. So, thank you very much for that question, Darnie. That was excellent. We very much appreciate it. Yeah. Sorry um, for dragging Keep them coming. Yeah, yeah. If anyone would like to uh, send us a question, don't forget. So you can email us. Uh, put it on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, at hashtag Ask Welcome to Horror, and we'll be more than glad to. Uh, to answer your questions, David Cronenberg. Sorry, that was the, that was the name that was stuck at the back of my head oh, all the okay. way through that last thing, and it was like there is someone, and yeah, David Cronenberg. I want yes. him back. I want him back doing his low budget body horror. No, yeah. we haven't seen any of his yet. We have not. We have not. Which we will. We will need to. We uh, do need, we to, need to adjust very that very much. So very, very much decide. Actually, because I know Bobby did say that he wanted to hear Chris talk about scanners. Yeah, he did. Yes, heads yeah. exploding. That's all I know. <laughs> And 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 that's not a spoiler. That's no. the first five minutes. So yeah, I think it's the cover of the box set. Ah, uh, that could yeah. be why. See, I've seen a lot of the box sets when I was young. That's I've never that's what got. Of... <laughs> that's what got me in shopping mall. Just when they blew her head off, I was like, yeah. <laughs> if you like that, watch Deadly Friend. I believe it's the oh, same yes. writer and director, uh, and it has that infamous um, head blowing up of a basketball shot, which yeah, is just which is quite incredible. Um. So, on to this evening's genuine, absolute masterpiece, in my personal opinion, Uh, The Burbs. So, having seen this film, without exaggeration, probably 30 times. um, That's impressive. As I said to you when it first first started, I could literally sit and close my eyes and watch this (laughs) entire movie through, (laughs) scene by scene, with no prompting whatsoever. Um... I've seen it that much. So what did you make of it on your first viewing? Well, like I said, 
it got 10 out of 10 just because Carrie Fisher was in it. <laughs> and after that, it got better and better. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that, that is... Uh, it, I had no idea what to expect. And I didn't even realise Burbs meant suburbs. Which oh, yeah. I, I really, never did before I watched okay. it. No, before I, I watched I it. I kind of think I remember you mentioning that, Lee, at some point, but mm. it had gone out of my mind until... I realised, yeah, they're in the suburbs, it's suburbs, oh, of course, yeah. And then it's extremely obvious. But, yeah, I suppose, yeah, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how horror it was going to become because there's quite a bit at the start that's, it, it's got, it's weird elements and it's like mm. people that are normal but not normal. Yeah. I mean, even his friend Art comes in and just eating all of his fridge <laughs> and gets a pineapple out and then he's eating ribs or something yeah. <laughs> like, and he, he takes the food out of the dog bowl because yeah. he walks past with it and he thinks it's food so he just has it he doesn't even spit it out it just goes <laughs> on <laughs> so. but yeah so like they're all a bit weird and i guess that's the point it's making you feel a bit like they're people that you could know and they're kind of normal but also not and yeah. where's mm-hmm. that gonna go and and the guy um ray again he's normal but she um carrie fisher carol is it um, yeah, yeah. yeah, and she's trying to get him to sort of wind down a bit, so I guess he's stressed at work. And yeah, you just, I was just thinking, I don't know where this is going to go, like what is going to happen. And yeah, just the fact all those characters, uh, like I said, uh, the cast was fantastic. Yeah. Just thought they worked mm. so it well together. Yeah. yeah, and uh, they're stereotypes of you know those people, I guess. But you, you know, you do get people that crazy. Um, and yeah, just as it builds up and up, and you're thinking, are oh, they doing something weird? I mean, they're doing something weird. But it could be like, what could it be that explains it normally? And it seems very hard to think of what it could be. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, oh, I've forgotten um, Corey's. Oh, Ricky Butler. Ricky, Ricky, yeah. Ricky yeah. So Butler. like just him watching them, like getting his mates around. <laughs> come on. This is just going to be great. Yeah. We're like, going to get some beers. Yeah. We're going to get some food. We're going to sit out here on the porch and we're going to watch what these idiots yeah. get up to when it gets dark. See, I get, I get the impression that Ricky Butler is basically the scriptwriter, because <laughs> it was like he said that it was the 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 thing that inspired the movie was just growing up in suburbia and yeah. every, and everyone's kind of off. Well, yeah. like I suppose, I mean, what happens to humans? I guess mostly in suburbia, it's all pretty safe. Yeah. Like Boring. happy, yeah, mm. you know, simple lives, and it, that's what they're talking about: mowing their lawn. Yeah. Like however many times and then going crazy and I guess that you know that would happen every so often it's it's like someone would time. was it 800 yeah. you see I think I've always I've always thought you'd probably like uh, J.G. Ballard mm. um, who's a kind of sci-fi author but it's like sci-fi but more psychological okay. sci-fi than anything else but he regularly in all his books keeps returning to this thing about gated communities because it was a mm. truism that they found that which which was basically if you get to a point where everything's taken care of yeah minor ailments and weird Become. stuff starts happening because you haven't actually got any worries no. yeah yet. and and evolutionary we're primed mm. to be worried about things exactly you know, like you've got to be worried about lions and tigers and, and things yeah. so what do you put that onto if there's nothing really bad happening he did a book the book that sort of sums it up the best he did a book called super can and it's basically it's a gated community that's uh for a company hmm. but everything's taken care of there's on-site health care on-site shops uh, you you know you while you're working while you're working for the company you and your family live on this place provided for completely provided yeah. for completely and it's perfect and 
like absenteeism is through the roof, illness is through the roof and everything, and they have an on-site psychologist come on, and the on-site psychologist basically organises trips where they get into cars with balaclavas and baseball bats and go into like the local village and just start fights and have and knock the fuck out of people. <laughs> and it's basically because they don't have any danger, yeah. they are They've not got create. Yeah, they create drama essentially. And yeah, and it's I wonder it's kind of like the same sort of thing. I mean, obviously to an extreme, yeah. but in the book it's meant to be that this guy basically by doing that he solves everyone's problems mm. and like productivity's up. No one has a day off. Everyone's absolutely fine. Everyone's really, really chipper and really fighting for the same goals and everyone's really together and everything else like that. And it's like this thing of, well, the only way you can actually make the community like that is by, you know, acts of horror and violence that go on. And, you know, J.G. Ballard's a miserable sod at the best of times. But, but Now, is, is this, was it mostly the men? Because in this, all the women are completely fine. Yeah. I and think, the men yeah. are the ones going crazy. And that's true. And I think that is right. As you say, it's, it's because the women have got, I know it sounds sexist, but this this was the 80s, so the women were doing all role. the housework. Yeah. A traditional the role. Kids mm. Yeah. Yeah, whereas the men had nothing to do mm. and they were just left to their own devices and as you say, by such, they just start really making up shit. Yeah. Really. And oh, especially, no, like the way they, sh they showed it was that Carol, um, so Ray had his balls in Carol's purse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he was the one that was being sort of kept under wraps a bit more, whereas Art, his wife was gone, she comes back at the end. Yeah. And um, Rumsfeld... His wife was, you know, she's nice, but she he was just doing what he wanted, really. Yeah, yeah. Like he didn't mind what she thought. So that's yeah. It seemed to be pointing to the men that were. If they go unchecked, yeah, this is what they, they start mean. to go crazy. Which I think, actually, weirdly enough, is something else that J.G. Ballard keeps mm. doing because it's in in the film High Rise, which again featuring the goth Hugh Grant. <laughs> um, but in the book of High Rise, and the film really picks up on it as well, is that basically. They're all trapped in this super, again, trapped in this high rise where everything's sort of provided, and basically mm. everyone goes mad and devolves to tribalism. Yeah. Um, but the women let the men get on with their stupid bullshit. So while the blokes are all sort of like, you know, starting turf wars and mm. everything else like that, the women are just quietly in the background getting on with shit. It, but not in a sort of your place is in the kitchen side of things, but just as in a sort of like. Oh, for fuck's sake. Look, just, okay, while you lot are out there knocking seven colours of shit yeah, out of each other, we'll or like, yeah, we'll actually get on with raising yeah. our children and looking after the place. Yeah. yeah. Do you know? And I think actually that came from like JG Ballard when he was young, he was actually in Shanghai when it fell, mm. um, like in the Second World War. And basically, you know, they were put into prisoner of war camps and stuff like that. Mm. And I think it came from that that it was what he saw was like, mm. you know, the women were like, right, we're in this situation, but we maintain. We get the shit done. Yeah. And all the blokes go crazy and start doing it, yeah. stupid acts of valour and getting mm -hmm. themselves killed on the wire and yeah. stuff like that because they're trying to fulfil some macho fucking like statement about what they've got to be. Yeah. I love the way they covered that in this as well. The <laughs> way they kept showing them as like children. Yeah. yeah. Mm. 
like you know when they go and ask if you know they try and get Ray <laughs> yeah. to come out and Carol saying no, he, oh please let him come out, no, yeah. no. Yeah. and they do just look like, and the same with well, like kicking the floor yeah. like sort of, mm. yeah. and then <laughs> that's when they run up, to ring the doorbell, they run up to the door, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just fantastic I just and, and mm. you know I, I made a lot of notes on this actually um, the music in this really st- I remember this when I was younger mm. this being one of the first films where I paid enough attention to the music to be like wow like that's yeah. it's really good like it works so well that it, it becomes it is, yeah, the forefront I, I suppose because of the because there's nothing horrific going on for quite a while, mm. then it is the music that adds the eeriness, really, because it's it's normal things, well, relatively normal things happening. Mm. Yeah, but so you, to twist that, you've got to create that yeah, intensity. Well, the soundtrack's Jerry Goldsmith, who, mm. frankly, is up there in God levels of film scores and stuff like that, and he's been doing this shit for years. I mean, where is it... Um, I mean, he did Gremlins and Gremlins 2 for Joe uh, Dante, who directed yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, Matinee, Explorers, Small Soldiers, Looney Tunes, back in action. So he worked with Joe Dante a lot. Mm, Joe Dante yeah. obviously really rated him. But he did the Omen trilogy, the first Alien, wow. uh, Planet of the Apes, and Escape from Planet of the Apes, not Beneath the Planet of the Apes, which comes in the middle. Um, but like Planet of the Apes is weird. That is like... It's instruments with bits removed, like saxophones with the reeds taken out and stuff like that, and lots of tribal banging and things like that. It's very, very strange um, stuff. But he did Poltergeist, um, Poltergeist 2, Total Recall, The Mummy. Um, He did the score to Patton, uh, like about General Patton, Hmm. and bits of Rumfeld's music in this is his score from Patton. Oh, is it really? So it's like the sort of little triumphant, little <laughs> trumpety sort of sound. <laughs> Every time you see Rumsfeld, it's that sort of... Yeah. yeah, that's from Patton, where it's meant to be that he's like, you know, the sort of gun nut militia sort of thing or whatever like that. Um, did uh, the first three Rambo films, Outland, um, Star Trek, Psycho 2, Basic Blimey. Instinct, the shitty remake of The Haunting, but we'll forgive him. Um... But, and this is the key thing, he did a lot of good TV themes. He did the theme to Star Trek Voyager. Um, He did the theme from The Man From Uncle. But, and this is the thing, he did the Twilight Zone music. Not the original series, not the very original series, because that doesn't have the proper one. Yeah. But the... That's Jerry Goldsmith. Mm -hmm. My word. Yeah. he, He knows his shit. And yeah. again, Joe Dante knows his shit, which yeah. is like, right, we're getting... Yeah. Yeah. Much in the same way as you get Dick Miller. That's, that's who we yes. need. Yeah. Yeah. And it was per- as you say, and it's the little, it's the way that the music changes mm. for who you're following. Yeah. So, as you say, when we're following Bruce Dern, it's always very military-sounding and lots of trumpets and stuff. Yeah, and then it's that kind of playful, funny music whenever we're following Tom Hanks. Yeah. And like, yeah, because oh. it starts, it has a very Tim Burton sort of skippy sort of yeah. opening mm. music yeah um, and that is very Tim Burton actually yeah, yeah with the like bells or chimes or yeah the sort of quite sort of up yeah. beat sort of thing but also like with the clopex there's just lots of like bowed strings and sort of yeah. you know which again and I, the other yeah. thing I love that I actually I noticed because I noticed they did it the other day when I was watching uh, Blood Night um, and I think this was the first film I'm aware of that did it, but everything does it now. If you show something creepy, you have to have the sound of cicadas. Oh, yes, yeah. So you see it this time. <laughs> Every time it shows a shot of the house, it's just that yeah. really mm. rattling sound. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I noticed recently, I've watched loads of stuff where as soon as they show you a creepy character, that sound is in the back. So that is your, like your marker for this <laughs> yeah. is creepy shit. Yeah. There is the sound of cicadas underneath. Yeah. <laughs> no there's, reason whatsoever. There's a, there's a guy called Trevin Pinto who just put, he did um, uh, New Terminal Hotel and he had, uh, he puts in stuff like insects and sort of very wormy sort of sounds and it's just like, <laughs> which are just the right sort of edge of... What, what did Queasy. he use when he was eating the sardines? Uh, I was a, oh, yeah. I was about yeah, the foley, to say yeah. the Foley artist on this, I mentioned while we were watching it, is absolutely incredible. Mm, yeah. Although so, that does look delicious. That, weirdly enough, is me trying to make a nice dinner. Like that's, <laughs> Claire will attest to this because if uh, I'm going to I'm gonna sit down and watch the birds with Claire because I know she'll love it. Yeah. Um, and, well, it's got Carrie Fisher in it, who is a hero anyway, mm. but... Um, sorted. It's sort of exactly as sorted as the pretzels. Yeah. <laughs> but pre- pretzels and sardines. I just thought I'd have that. I'd sit and watch the birds eating that. You know. I have done it as a mark of respect to the film. Uh, not with sardines because I can't deal with fish skin. It makes me weird. Honk. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I have because of this and watching it. I've been like pretzels and. Uh, Tin and mackerel, though I could, yeah. I could have a go of that. But, but would and you serve fun. it to guests no. for the first but, time you meet yeah, them on a tray? Yeah. <laughs> anchovies, I still say anchovies. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be the one. Although I am about eighty percent salt, <laughs> so yeah, I'm like Lot's wife at a quick glance. Then, oh, <laughs> nearly, nearly got me. Um, um, but we, I was going to say we should mention the opening scene where they come, it comes from. Yes, yes, because it's the Universal logo, yeah. Like, yeah. Of, Earth anyway, like the globe anyway. Yeah, like, yeah. And there was, and uh, it is a globe. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, and it <laughs> just, just in case you know. all the way in, right yeah. down to the house. Mm. Um, yeah, and I'm I, I still watching it. Still, uh, there's no obvious cuts in there. There's no, no yeah. blends. Like it's very it just well smooths. Yeah. But and, and that idea, it, it again, it's normal. It's the Earth, but it adds a little bit of a something's a bit weird. You know, why are you doing that shot coming from out down onto their street, mm. particularly? It's like you're it's, an alien observer yeah, of it. Yeah, but and everyone's like, weird. This, this street is important, you know, mm. I guess, in that sort of way, yeah. Well, you said you recognised the street. Well, well, I thought, yeah, something suddenly triggered. I was like, hold on, that seems to match either something else we've seen or... Well, it's, it's on Universal's back lot, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. They call it Colonial Street, that's their like, okay. term for it, but obviously in this it's Mayfield Place. Um, and it's been used in loads of stuff. It's still used in TV at the moment, like oh, really? the, and like films as well. Um, but um, I know I'll let you say it if you're. No, no, go on. Uh, as you've uh, done the research, I think you should. Uh... Ricky's house, which you don't ever see properly, really, mm. is the Munsters Mansion. Uh. <laughs> and it's like that was the one where basically Joe Dante was like, Right, we'll have to film around that because that is far too no, obviously. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, but I think I think Walter's house at the end was actually built for the Burbs, but it's still there. Oh, right. Yeah. So they just sort of they add to it and paint mm. it up and do different things. And I think the Clopex house was in Desperate Housewives or something. Like Leave it reason. to Beaver, I think. Yes. It might yeah. Have been it. Um, yeah. So like they knock the houses down from time to time and Depends rebuild on what they need a for... new house yeah. in there. Just um, before this, it was in Dragnet, which obviously has oh, Tom Hanks really? in it as well. Yeah, it's the the um, who was it? It's um, it's Tom Hanks's house is in it. It's the where the Virgin College Swale uh, lives <laughs> in Dragnet. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's like yeah, so it is like 
in lots and lots of things. Mm. But it is, again, it goes back to the thing of it being the burbs because that is the that is the suburban street that you see yeah. in loads and loads of stuff. Mm. And yeah. I so seem, many things. I seem to remember... So, we've just watched the Arrow Blu-ray release uh, mm-hmm. that Chris very generously bought me for Christmas a few years ago. That was generous of me. It was. He's looking very confused at me. Well, he always asks Jennifer. Jennifer tells him what I want and then he gets yeah, it. He doesn't but, know what it is or what it relates to. Um, but, but now, now they have meaning for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. Um, but, yeah, so the documentary, the Arrow one that goes along with that is fantastic. Yeah, and I, I seem to remember... I've not watched it for a couple of years... Uh, but yeah, I seem to remember them saying they had to do a lot of, they had to sh- stop shooting a lot uh, because they were doing tours around Universal mm. Backlot. Mm. So like they'd be, they'd do a shot and then they'd have to wait half an hour mm. while a, you know, a, like a golf buggy full of people came round and they all got to look at the sets and they all had to stand and wave at the, you know, paying idiots. <laughs> and then yeah, wait for them to piss off and then do the next shot. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I know we've touched on it, um, but at the cast of this, mm. fuck man, yeah. what a cast! I mean, yeah. that main guy, I can't really see he's done much. What Rick? No, uh, the, no Tom Hanks. The, the Ray, the Ray, Tom Ray Hanks, Peterson. Yeah. This guy called Tom Hanks. <laughs> Apparently, he was he was in he was in Mazes and Monsters, <laughs> Bachelor Party, Joe versus the Volcano. He was Turner in Turner and Hooch. <laughs> um, something called Big. <laughs> Uh, Splash, the the mermaid film. No, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Apart from that, yeah, I couldn't really see done much to be honest. No. Oh, and two Oscar wins <laughs> for Philadelphia and <laughs> Forrest Gump. <laughs> um, now I can't remember where I heard this, mm. so feel free to call me out. If no, I'm, no. I'm, I am ninety, I'm ninety nine percent certain I heard this somewhere that uh, Tom Hanks and Rick, who played uh, Art, oh yeah, Rick actually hated one another. Yeah, um, and Rick Decuman. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's fantastic. Like, oh yeah, I, he's I great. Really it. Like him. Although, weirdly enough, do you not feel that Dan Aykroyd was busy that week? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he sounds like Dan Aykroyd mm, yeah. a lot in it. Oh, and I was definitely getting that. Yeah. I think, especially with the last film before being Dragnet. Yes. Like, yeah, I think that's my. First. <laughs> But no, apparently they didn't get on, and I find it weird actually because if you think about it, everyone else in it—I mean, some established actors—but everyone else in it's still sort of doing quite well. Yeah. Um, he has sort of disappeared off the radar, and it's like probably if you can't get along with Tom Hanks, yeah, you're probably not... a bit of a knobbing. But isn't I heard? Oh, I'm saying I'm going to kick myself now because I can't remember who it is. But there is a famous, or it, it's. There's a feud between him and somebody else, between Tom Hanks and another actor. I can't remember who it is, so I shouldn't have brought it up, but I'd kick myself if I didn't. Yeah, something similar. So when Tom Hanks was at his highest and was basically the god of yeah. Hollywood. Well, he's still um, doing quite well now. Yeah, he had somebody kicked off of a movie, and I can't remember who it is, but it's somebody else who's quite big. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, and apparently it's one of those things, lots of people talk about them having a oh, right, quote, unquote, okay. feud. Mm. Um, but yeah. And then the other guy came out recently on TV and said, oh, yeah, we totally did because we fell out on a movie, but I can't remember it was. Oh, but, fair enough. So he might not be as nice a guy as you'd like to think he no, might not be. No, even the, the nicest piano. guys are, you know, sometimes over the moments. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, apparently he bought everyone, uh, like, out of his own pocket, he bought everyone sunglasses for the burbs. Oh, did he? Like, cast, crew, everyone. 
Oh, wow. Like, with a note just saying, this is one of the best things, I, like, best experiences I've ever had. Mm. Oh, okay, uh, maybe so, I'll take it back. Maybe I, Tom Hanks is an amazing he does It could seem, be the other people that are the he does, he does seem to be competing with Bill Murray at the moment for doing, like, spectacular wind-ups. Oh, really? In so much as uh, Claire was telling me about this, like, he, he turned up at someone's wedding just like someone was having a wedding and like Tom Hanks turned up and photo bombed but the bride and groom weren't aware and there was another one where Tom Hanks was in a bar and some guy like had passed out I've seen this and Tom Hanks just took loads of selfies of him and all his mates and this guy passed out with his arm around him like thumbs up and big grins and took loads of selfies on the guy's phone and just said just let him find them and it's his face in the photos. He's yeah. in absolute hysterics. Like, yeah. It's, oh, but apparently, yeah, apparently Bill Murray does much the same. Apparently he, he has a tendency to grab people in uh, public toilets. Like just suddenly that, hug that, them from that, behind that, and just go, they'll never believe you. <laughs> <laughs> and this that does sound... Why Bill Murray is the great yeah, yeah. planet. But, but, you know, he's taking a risk there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Especially if someone turns around too quick. Yeah. <laughs> That's your Chino's room, mate. Oh, I mean, obviously, we've got, like you said, we've got Carrie Fisher. Yep. We've got General Leia. What more do you need? Mm, yeah. I did feel that we should mention her autobiographies because they've got great titles Wishful Drinking, <laughs> Shockaholic, and The Princess Diarist, mm. um, which I know Claire's got because uh, she was reading it recently. Um, and obviously, um, her daughter, Billy Lord, is in American Horror Story ah. as we speak. Is she really? Yeah, Who she's she? um she's she's in uh she was in cult uh she was was she in cult? I don't know. Yes, she was in cult. She was Evan Peters' sister in cult and she was in uh Apocalypse. She was one she was the one who was possibly the most powerful witch, but she was the um the assistant to the influencer. Oh my god! I didn't realise it was Carrie Fisher's daughter. Yes, Carrie Fisher's daughter, Billy Lord. She's fantastic. She is great. She is she is brilliant, and also um, I think her Instagram is uh, is Lord Almighty. <laughs> but um, yeah, and also we have to mention uh, Carrie Fisher's dog Gary. Yes, because Gary Fisher just that's just perfect. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so really, one day we should get um, is it Nathan uh, Nathan Hamill. Billy Lord and who's Harrison oh, Ford's? Ha- oh, yeah, so he must have some children. Yeah, <laughs> they should all do something together one day. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, you could just get. Her. Well, Billy Lord is in the Star Wars films as well. She oh, is, she's yeah. one of the Rebel Alliance. In, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she's. I think she, she's. She's last. She's in the Last Jedi. I can't remember. Mm. If she's in Force Awakens, but she's definitely in Last Jedi because uh, she's on the same ship as her mum. Yeah. So. And we've but, got the the last of this arc. Coming out this Christmas? Yeah. Yes, yes, we have. Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. Rise of Skywalker, yeah. But you've got, obviously, you've got Bruce Dern yeah, as yeah. Rumsfeld, who is just fucking brilliant. His timing mm. is, and mm. it's not just it, like I've noted a few things here, but Bruce Dern, particularly, his timing in this is just so spot on. It yeah. Just, I've seen the film 30 times and I still laugh my ass off the whole way through it's also It's also that lovely thing where it was like, the the local gun nut is still part of the heroes. Yeah, <laughs> it's like like tremors. Yeah, and stuff like that, mm-hmm. isn't it? And it is that weird thing where kind of like 
in a shitty situation, yes, you do want them yeah. on your side yeah. because they're on they, to the they fucking They have a very teeth. specific use. Yeah, yes. exactly. No yeah. one else can fulfil. No, exactly. And and yeah, I, but he, I mean, obviously, and he is father to Laura Dern, um, yeah. uh, but also Silent Running, which I'd imagine. Have you ever seen Silent Running, Chris? I'd imagine it would be one of yours. Uh, the sci-fi film about a guy alone build uh, growing. Uh, vegetables on a spaceship with three robots. No, I haven't. From the very early seventies, no. like seventy, yeah, seventy-two. I think I kind of missed a lot of earlier sci-fi. Ah, fair enough. So that's something I need to get back to. And but, yeah. and we did see Laura Dern fairly recently in uh, Event Horizon. Yeah, no, she wasn't mm. in Event no, Horizon. No, no, no that was Jolie Richardson. Think oh of. yes, you're right. Sorry, yes. Um, but obviously, he's and recently he's been sort of. Adopted by Quentin Tarantino because he was in Hateful Eight and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Django Unchained, and he's just great anyway. He, is. he also played someone called Vance Henriksen in Toolbox Murders Two, <laughs> which I can only assume is a reference to Lance Henriksen. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, he's sort of yeah, he's just he's just brilliant in it. You've got there are quite a few sort of stars, but they're not stars you might necessarily recognise because uh, Rumsfeld's wife. Yeah, Bonnie. Um, that is uh, that's Francine from American Dad. Oh my the God, wife in America. Really? Yeah, she basically got the job because Seth uh, MacFarlane really loves the Burbs. Of course mm. he does. And, yeah, of course, of course he, he does. does. But yeah, so um, yeah, so that's like that's definitely her <clears throat> sort of um, you know she's uh, that's her fame. Yeah. But also even more so, a hidden hidden star in this film who has been. There is a person in this film who isn't Tom Hanks, who has been in an Oscar-winning film, like, across the board. It won Best Film, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress. Uh, the dog <laughs> is the same dog as in Silence of the Lambs. Oh, my God, is you it know, really? You know. Very precious. <laughs> that, wow. Yeah, that's the dog from Silence of the Lambs. I was, yeah, I was quite pleased with myself. <laughs> Obviously, coming to the Clopex, you've got Courtney Gaines, who is Hans, the young one, mm -hmm. who is also in uh, Children of the Corn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's in Hell's Kitty. Yes, Because him was. and the other guy, uh, the guy who's uh, the other guy from Children of the Corn are in that, uh, 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 both turn up as cameos in Hell's Kitty, which is great. If you've not seen Hell's Kitty, go out there, find it. It's spectacular. Yeah, we saw it as, we saw it in Southend. We did. Um, They've got a big announcement coming out this week, so anybody in the uh, Essex area, uh, Horror on Sea, that we've done two episodes from previously, uh, are teasing on Instagram. They've got a big uh, release Ooh. of information coming out soon, so we don't know what, but it'll be good. Um, obviously, Dr. Werner Klopek, you know where he's from, don't you, Lee? I do indeed, I've, yes. I've seen him definitely yep. from, from my childhood. He's in the Blues Brothers. He oh, plays I've the head never of the seen Illinois the Blues Nazis. Brothers. Oh. <laughs> that is exactly how I've got him put down All there. Right. I hate Illinois Nazis. How have you not seen the Blues Brothers? Oh. You're totally leaving well, with that DVD. Today. But he he is in he's in Gremlins Two. He's in Inner oh. Space, which is a okay. Joe Dante film. I that I does he play the Doctor in that? That injects. Mm. He's Mr. Wormwood in Inner Space. So I think I'm assuming a villain from that name because yeah. I can't really remember it that well. But he's in Magnolia. Um, and just loads and loads of TV. 
including Erie, Indiana, which is a film, uh, a program that I'd forgotten about, and I really need to do a rewatch of. Uh, previous guest Dean, and mm. also my brother. Um, yes, that other and that other way that we know him. Um, Yes, he. I'm sure he bought the box set at one point. He did, yeah. yeah. And just said to me, "Oh my god, Watch like it it's amazing! What a weekend!" I just sat at home and binge watched it and drank beer mm. for. Because it, it is a Joe Dante spectacular, isn't it? Yeah. Um, obviously, this is Erie, Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I'd heard good things about it. And never saw any of it. It is really, really good. And oddly enough, um, I think it still holds up. It's mm. like not sort of. It's, it's, it's aimed at. Teenagers, it's aimed at teenagers. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's that goosebumps. Yeah, I yeah, it's that, yeah. Oh Christ! Imagine if they did an Erie Indiana film, I'd have to slap them. <laughs> yeah, unless Joe Dante did it, in which case I'd have to praise him yeah. and possibly tickle his balls. <laughs> um, the garbage men, obviously, we mentioned Dick Miller, yes. who I watched in Chopping Mall last night, playing a character called Walter Paisley, who apparently he plays in loads of films. <laughs> because I was say that name rings a bell. It's in like about five different films. Three of them are Joe Dante films, uh, but Ooh. one of them's a Roger Corman film. Ah, um, but he, yeah, I mean, he just he's in every Joe Dante movie. <laughs> Uh, in some because, way, uh, like... it, it, no, he's it, it, um, Dick Miller is in every because obviously he's the neighbour in uh, Gremlins, mm. and Gremlins yeah. Two, and sort of the first one who gets killed, isn't he? No, no, he's the the he's the really grumpy bastard. But then he turns up in Gremlins Two, him and his wife are on holiday uh... in New York, <laughs> and they still have to deal with Gremlins because the back Gremlin attacks them outside the cathedral. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just. Bucket of Blood is a film of I blood. remember really enjoying. That's the first. That's the that. first film he's called Walter Paisley. Oh, mm-hmm. re- oh there yeah. Because it's um, but yeah, Roger. Um, so he did like hun- tons and tons of films for Roger Corman as well, which is why so many people have like tapped into him and wanted him in their films as well because he's like a horror icon. See, it's funny you mention that. Sorry, I don't mean to derail you, no, no, but no. I did make a note actually here. Um, another link so i'm wondering if that's why possibly um he, he the guy so if joe dante i'm imagining was a massive fan of roger corman oh yeah because the dream sequence in this uh with all that smoke and all yes. the red and green lighting like that's got corman written yeah away. that is very haunted palace isn't and it, some of the yeah. I, I rewatched haunted palace as well i forgot to uh-huh. write that down i watched it last week um and also just little things like he uses that lighting quite a lot there's a scene the scene where they drive out of the garage. Yes. Uh, and he goes and puts the stuff in the bin and knocks it down with the hoe and then gets back in the car. Yeah, like that driveway is lit green. Mm. No reason for it. No. It just makes it so creepy though. And yeah. he just and he's got that same colour palette as Corman. Like yes. he uses red and green to sort of highlight things that aren't meant to be right. Yeah, he's not afraid of a filter. Yeah. Definitely not. Um, and the other the other garbage man is Robert Picardo, who is the holographic doctor from Star Trek Voyager. Oh, the, I thought I did recognise yeah. him. But he's worked yeah. with Joe Dante because he's in Gremlins 2. He's in um, The Howling because he's the the serial killer werewolf in The Howling. Oh, was he really? Yeah, but he's much younger than he's still got hair. So not a lot of people know that. <laughs> um, I'm just going to have to have a quick obsess Go on. over Brother Theodore. Yep. Um, who is... Um, I know you're a massive fan of oh, this gentleman. Oh, fucking am I. Who's Ruben. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he... Uh, he, was a, he was a comedian who performed stand-up tragedy, as he put it. 
Uh, it looks like you could pull that off. Yes. <laughs> well, here's, here's his sort of potted history. Now, bearing in mind, parts of this are actually from him. So, you know, there's, sort of, there's, some, there's some question in places, but basically this is the, this is the truth. Um, born into a wealthy Jewish family who were imprisoned in Dachau when he was 32. He'd left a, he was kind of like a playboy before that, mm. you know, because he was just in a very rich family. Uh, his parents and grandmother were killed, but he managed to bribe his way out by signing over his family's fortune for one Reichsmark and was permitted to emigrate to Switzerland. He earned his money in Switzerland hustling chess, <laughs> but then got nicked for it and got deported to Austria. While he was in Austria, with the help of his sponsor, Albert Einstein, what? who was a family friend and possibly his mother's lover, hmm. um, got to, he went to California in '41, completely broke, obviously, because the family fortune has just been signed away to get him yeah. out of fucking Dachau. Mm. Um, he worked as a janitor at Stanford University, where apparently at one point he uh, beat 30 professors at chess simultaneously. Um, and as a dock worker in San Francisco, but he then started doing monologues on stage because he, that's what he was into. He was into mm. like acting and stuff like that. And he started off doing readings just of Edgar Allan Poe. Mm. Um, and here's the quote. In the two weeks, I had one person in the audience, my wife, and if I hadn't given her a complimentary ticket, she wouldn't have come. <laughs> then he moved to Greenwich Village in 1958, where he remained for the rest of his life. He was uh, regularly performing late night at the 13th Street Fair where he developed his macabre style of absurdist monologues including tales of his parents' dog oil boiling <laughs> business um, adapted from Ambrose Spears' story which involved boiling down corpses in an incinerator. Much like the burps. Yeah. Uh, and a call for humankind to abandon bipedalism and a return to all fours. He <laughs> um, had yeah, bit parts in uh, some film and TV, not much. Uh, mostly playing variations of himself. He's in that film, what is it? Um, Nocturne, a granddaughter of Dracula. He's like the Renfield character in that. Okay. Um, uh, but then he started doing appearances on talk shows and he was a regular on the Merv Griffin show, Dick Cavett show and the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Uh-huh. And it was Merv Griffin who first referred to him as Brother Theodore, and that's where uh-huh. it sort of and it sort of went from there. And then he just retired in the mid seventies because like the popularity went through. And then a couple of magicians, Dorothy Dietrich and Dick Brooks, persuaded him to come out of retirement perform his act at their uh, Manhattan's Magic Townhouse. Um, Theodore took a lot of persuading. They said like months hmm. because he was like, "No, my career is finished. I, I am a nothing." You know. He's just, yeah. um, and they finally got him to agree, but he only agreed if they dropped their ticket price from ten dollars to four because he didn't want to scare the audience off. Because <laughs> um, he was that. Conv- but then that sort of got him a resurgence of his career, and then he did sixteen turns on the Late Show with David Letterman. Oh, nice! Uh, late Night with David Letterman, sorry. And um, yeah, and he was sort of doing really well, and then they started doing a documentary about him, uh, an artist called Jess Summerall. Mm. Um, but um, after he died, he died at ninety-four. Nice. You know, he did. He did. He did fucking well for you know. Yeah. For, for, um, uh, but he was encouraged by the guy was encouraged to continue doing the the uh, documentary by friends and family. Mm. Uh, but he interviewed uh, Henry Gibson, the head of the Illinois Nazis. Yeah. Uh, the part he played. Yeah. Um, before. Um, and he was kind of like the key who then opened it up because he knew Penn and Teller, who were big oh, fans yeah. of Brother Theodore. Mm. And then through mm. that, he like Joe Dante and Woody Allen, just loads and loads of people sort of stepped on board for this 
documentary and everything. Wow. Um, and yeah, it, the documentary is called To My Great Chagrin, The Unbelievable Story of Brother Theodore. Really worth tracking down. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I have seen it. But I've got to give you just a few of his best quotes. As long as there is death, there is hope, which is also on his gravestone. <laughs> The only thing that keeps me alive is the hope of dying young. <laughs> I have gazed into the abyss, and the abyss has gazed into me, and neither of us like what we saw. <laughs> the best thing is not to be born, but who is lucky as that? To whom does it happen? Not one among millions and millions of people. <laughs> and this is my personal favourite. All the great religious leaders are dead. Jesus is dead. Abraham is dead. Buddha is dead. Mohammed is dead, and I'm not feeling so well myself. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the fucked up story of Brother Theodore. Who yeah. just yeah, I'll be tracking that documentary mm. down because yeah, he's just he is incredible. just so bizarre, and and he never breaks character. You can see like old there's there's like a thing of him confronting Jerry Lewis on like the Merv Griffin show, I think it is, <laughs> or the Johnny Carson show, and it's like he's just. He doesn't break character at any point. <laughs> he just is that horrible little... And he also did the voice... I've seen the clip of it. He did the voice of, Go of Gollum in a um, uh, an animated version of mm. Lord of the Rings. Oh, God, I used to have... The one that was done in the 70s. Yes. Oh, I used to watch mm. that. Yeah, where true. Gollum is kind of like a big toad-looking thing. Is that mm, the possibly. one? Possibly. But he is so fucking good. <laughs> But it's just, he's got the voice anyway. Sure. You know, he's not doing any work. He's, he's just saying precious in his voice. <laughs> he's another one. Like, his timing, his mm. comedy timing mm. in this yeah. is... I mean, and, and that's, everybody is. And I know, obviously, a lot of that will come down to the director. So Joe Dante obviously teased a lot of that out of them. But they really are... Everybody's just at the top of their game on the, in this mm. movie. It's mm. just... Uh, Corey Feldman as well, obviously, we can't... Yes, yeah. obviously for more on Corey, see uh, uh, the, our last episode on The Lost Boys. Indeed, yeah. But, yeah, again, mind you, there was an interesting story. Uh, apparently, Michael Jackson didn't come and visit him on the set, but he was, like, hanging around with Michael Jackson at the time. Yeah. But Bubbles would come and visit him. <laughs> but they had to restrict Bubbles to his caravan, and he shit all over it. Oh, so he got nice. banned from the set. Very nice. Oh, and one last thing. You know, I said to you about that book that they're reading, the demonology book. Yes. It's written by... Um, oh, I want to get my name right. Because I wanted it. Because it's a big leather-bound book with a big metal clasp I'll, on it. I'll, I'll, I'll disappoint you now because it's not a real book. No, I didn't think it was. Um, but, yeah, The Theory and Practice of Demonology by Julian Carswell. Oh, Carswell. Yeah. yeah. Who is... I didn't in, put that together. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the film Night of the Demon mm. features a sort of Alistair Crowley figure isn't yeah. he really yeah. uh, called Julian Carswell so that's meant to be his book hmm. uh, yeah how excellent I oh, know that's just fantastic stuff it is it's wonderful and yeah I, I just I can't I can't rate this movie high enough really I just I never tire of it there's nobody who I wouldn't show it to like mm. I can't think anybody I can't think of anybody who wouldn't get this movie and just yes. love it it's um it's so well made. And it's, it's interesting because it's not scary at all. No. But yet it's got everything about horror all around it. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's definitely very well done. So yeah, you could show it to you know practically everyone. I mean, I saw it when it first came out. I was, it was what, 1989? Mm. It's 89, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, so I was, what, 11 at the time when this came out. 
Um, yeah, that's I don't right, think I that's right ladies and gentlemen. I am that old. Yeah. I don't think I saw it at the time, but I've definitely. It was definitely like sort of one night on telly, and I just. I think I. And weirdly enough, I think I turned over at the bit where this. This is Walter. Ah! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think the reason we saw it was I had. I saw Big when it was on at the cinema, so I was a huge mm. fan of Tom Hanks. Yeah, whatever um, happened to him? And <laughs> slid off into obscurity. Yeah. Um, and as we mentioned previously, my parents liked their horror stuff. So I think, and, and my mum had been with me to see Big, and she'd really liked it as well. So I think a horror, quote unquote, horror film. So he you is know. your gateway drug to horror. Yeah, yeah, he, he is another one. <laughs> uh, yeah, a bit later on, but yeah, yeah, he. Uh, as I, and I, yeah, I watched this and immediately it was on my list of, yeah. I, I, and you know when you're a kid and you just watch stuff over and over again. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so yeah, I probably watched it a dozen times in the first <laughs> couple of years. And now it's one of those, there isn't a year go by that at some point I don't have to drag it out again. Which is why I wanted to upgrade to the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Um, I did buy, much to my annoyance, uh, up there on the shelf I do have the Burbs Uncut. Mm. Uh, which I bought and was very excited to get because I was like, oh my God, I've been watching this film for years. I know the entire film back to back, uh, like scene to scene, sorry. Um, And watching it with new material in is going to be hugely exciting. Uh, That that new material was in the Blu-ray that we watched today. Uh, It was the five seconds when he's flicking through channels in bed. So in the original cut, if I remember correctly, you only see. Uh, did you say it's ride with the devil? Uh, it's race. It's race with the devil. Race with the devil. Sorry. Uh, yeah, race with the devil. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two and The Exorcist. Yes. So the Exorcist clip and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre clip weren't in it. So he's just watching Race with the Devil, mm. and then he falls asleep, which is why it makes more sense now having seen it when the when yeah, he has the screen and the chainsaw through. comes yeah, through yeah. because now you've seen the Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre element that wasn't in the mm. original cut but yeah I was really gutted like I, I was so excited for like a week waiting for it to turn up and then it turned up to put it on and I was like That's so it, it was those extra five seconds was it yeah of but, other movies of other movies yeah. <laughs> I was uh, not best pleased but I'm glad that they kept it in on the uh, yeah. Blu-ray because as I say it does make a bit more sense for that that uh, Roger Corman style dream sequence that then follows yeah Um. so next episode I think mm. we've uh, waffled on quite a lot of time this, mm-hmm. this week. Um, next episode. Now, I know we talked about it tentatively. We know that we, unfortunately, uh, lost a great horror icon uh, recently. Uh, and we were saying that in honour, we should possibly watch one of his films. Mm. Uh, so, Sid Haig passed. Yeah. Um Two weeks ago, Pro- probably a bit. No, probably about two Pro- weeks ago, yeah. two three weeks ago. Uh, and so, in honour of that, we were discussing possibly uh, watching Spider Baby. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. I've got the Arrow v- uh, Blu-ray of that because Adam bought it for me. So he knows mm-hmm. how much I totally love that movie. Yeah, it, a shout out to Arrow if you fancy sponsoring us. <laughs> yeah, we do love you guys. Like they just they they get such nice print. I mean, I know the print of the birds that we watched today. Um, it had a thing at the beginning that said, "Look, there's still a lot of grain and stuff we couldn't mm. we couldn't fix." Um, but they always get the best prints available. Yeah. 
uh, and their extras are just like if they just sold an extras disc to something I already own. Mm. And, like I've rebought loads of stuff that I've already got just Same. because it comes with their extras. The, yeah, yeah. And you know it's going to be like an hour and a half documentary and all the missing stuff, all the trailers and like the stuff they pull together is just unbelievable. Well, not only that, but also you get some like I mean, like Theatre of Blood has the League of Gentlemen doing the commentary on it because it's one of their favourite films. It's like, that, I mean, that's quality. Yeah. You know, that's just sort of... And again, a lot of it is... It's original stuff. It's not just... Yeah. So they are trying to work out... Yeah, they're, they're doing... They, they try and get as much legacy stuff from old mm. releases, but they will provide new bits on there and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and so it is content you can't get anywhere else, and they're really reasonably priced as well. Mm. Um, and they're currently doing... Uh, buy one, uh, buy one get one free on their website at the moment. Oh, they really? oh and they've got they've got some uh, they've got like I think it's twelve films down to a fiver for Halloween. Right, if, if we aren't sponsored by them, we're doing a pretty good job of doing a nice ad. <laughs> <Yeah. at the laughs> <moment>. Frankly, <laughs> I'm but let's see when it's genuine. No, I, I have to admit I hadn't really heard of them before today when you started explaining to me about some of this. Um, I, I'd heard you perhaps say the word, but didn't realise that they were doing anything particularly they do such but, good restorations yeah. like so especially films like uh, not so much this because i know obviously this is a, a, a popular movie mm. um but a lot of stuff that kind of goes under the radar of mm. a lot of people okay. um, and they manage to get hold of the prints and restore them before yeah. they get to a point where they're a lot of foreign language mm. stuff as well uh, and obscure very obscure stuff okay yeah um mm. yeah so for the next episode are we gonna do spider baby yeah, let's play Spider. Yeah, let's play Spider. Sounds like we should. Excellent, fantastic. Right, thanks ever so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Thank you, everyone. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice of you to listen. Uh, it's, it, it gives us the excuse to keep dragging Chris round <laughs> and uh, and forcing him to watch all these amazing films. Or forcing Chris round and dragging him up. <laughs> <laughs> I like to. Yeah, well, I think the tornado red lippy looks good. <laughs> Uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Uh, send us a hashtag Ask Welcome to Horror on Instagram or via our email, which is info at welcome to horror.com. Yep, that's excellent, it. fantastic. Uh, yeah, uh, go and watch Spider Baby, and we will discuss it in a fortnight's time as long as we can manage to get the scheduling together. Thanks very much for listening. Good night. 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 Oh, Spider Baby. <laughs>